Hi, you're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Impact Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. I'm Pastor Brandon, the church planter and lead pastor. We are a new church in the D.C. area that is centered on the gospel and sent to our neighborhoods, Northern Virginia, and the nations. Please visit our website at www.impactfxbg.church. There, you'll find our current meeting times and locations. Our prayer is that you are encouraged by the message you hear today and fall more in love with Jesus and others. Thanks for listening. To have wisdom in. What do I want to have revelation of? And what do I want more knowledge about? And so I started listing stuff up. I mean, I, I want more uh, wisdom, revelation, and knowledge. I want to know who's going to win the World Series uh, this year. I want to know what my kids are going to be like when they grow up. I want to know what God has planned for, for Impact Church, maybe in the next five years, the next 10 years. I want to know who's going to start the next church and where's it going to be and how are we going to multiply. I, I want to know how's God going to provide for my needs. How is God going to show up in my life? Um, and I remember when I was younger, and, and in college, I would wonder things like, Lord, who am I going to marry? And what should I do with my life? And, you know, what should I study? And I, I remember these sorts of questions. And then it hit me. Because Paul actually answers the question of what he wants to give us wisdom, revelation, and knowledge of. And guys, listen to me. It's actually none of those things. Now, it's not to say that God doesn't want to help you out in those areas of your life, but he knows that what you really need more knowledge of is not his will for what's going to happen next year. What does it say? He says that you may have the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, of God, of God. Paul wants you, and, and the Bible says, I want you to have knowledge of who God is. I want you to know God more. And guys, could it be that the biggest need we have in the church is not to know what's going to happen in our children's lives or, what's gonna ha- or if we're going to have children or what's going to happen uh, in our family or what's going to happen in our future, or who we're going to marry? Like, What if that's not the most important thing God wants to reveal to you? What if the most important thing God wants to reveal to you is himself? And I'm convinced, guys, that we as a church have elevated everything else in our life and treated God like a customer service representative who is supposed to just give us all the information that we need to do what we want to do. And guys, that's not who God is. Instead, God wants to give you more knowledge of him. And I get it. I get it. Um, I got a couple of quotes here, and I don't know if we ever got the slides up. You got, yeah, okay. So a couple of quotes here. One is by uh, D.A. Carson, um, who uh, wrote kind of an article I was reading in preparation for the sermon. But I just really love this. He says this. He says, what is the greatest need in the church today? The one thing we need in Western Christendom is a deeper knowledge of God. We need to know God better. Like, I love that. Like, what's the deepest need? And man, if we didn't see that quote, maybe we'd say, I don't know, the biggest, what's the biggest need that impact has? And maybe we'd start listing off stuff on our Amazon wish list. Maybe we'd start naming stuff or whatever. Like, but here we see, no, the greatest need we actually have is for all of us to know God better. 
And I love that he uses the word better and not more. Because, guys, the last thing we need is more knowledge. We got so many books and articles and this thing called the Internet and Google. Like, we have so much stuff out there that there's no problem in knowing him more. The problem is knowing him better. The quality of your knowledge. The quality of your relationship with him. Um. And so, actually, when I was in college, someone discipling me made me read this book called Knowing God by J.I. Packer. I don't know if anybody's ever read it before. Um, If you haven't, it's on my must-read list. So anytime someone comes to me and says, what are you reading right now? Or what are some books that I should read? Uh, This is always in my top five. I'm like, this is a, it's a must-read for every follower of Jesus. It's pretty well written. And I've, I've, this is uh, actually my second copy because I wore out my first copy. um, And I'm, I'm working on wearing this one out too. Um, but this is, this is a really good book. And, but when I first read it in college, I thought, what, a, what an arrogant title. You know? Right, I'm going to read that book and know God. You know? And uh, the truth is, you're not. <laughs> like, this book is not going to, you're not going to know God because you read this book. All right? You know God through having a relationship and believing in his son, Jesus. But what this does is answers the question, where a lot of followers of Jesus have convinced themselves that you can't know God. You can't. God is too great. He's too infinite. He's too wise. He's too much. There's no way that I could know God. And you know what that leads us to? Apathy. I'm not even going to try. Because what's the use? If God wants to tell me something, he knows where I live. That's our attitude towards it. But guys, our knowledge of God is a pursuit It's not passive. It's an opportunity for us to dig in and to know him more. And so in this book, um, Knowing God, J.I. Packer uh, says there's really four characteristics of someone who knows God. Like, if you know God, you'll notice four things that happen in your life. Um, uh, Number one, so again, I want you to know, I got this out of the book, this book, not this book, uh, but this is kind of his commentary. Okay. Four characteristics. Number one, those who know God have a great energy for God. Man, this is really important. Because a lot of times I get people who come to me and they're like, Pastor, I'm just, I'm feeling really burned out. Or I need a break from church. I don't, you know, I need to take a few weeks off because I'm just getting burned out. Or I've, I've served in this team for a while, a few weeks in a row now, and I'm tired and I'm, I'm burned out. And And listen, like we work really hard, our serve teams work really hard to give people rest and time off and not burn out, mainly because I don't want to burn out. And so, and I don't like people who burned out. Um, And that almost becomes abusive, in my opinion, um, the way we serve. But guys, most of the time when someone comes to me and says they're burned out, it's not that they're burned out with church. They're actually just have no energy from their relationship with God. And church is the easiest thing to blame it on. Church or family or work or our jobs or our commutes. That's just the easy scapegoat. But if we really really got down to it, man, the energy that we get from knowing God. Could it be that God wants to be your source of energy? Not just more vacation time or more time off. I talk to pastors all the time who are like, I need a sabbatical. And I'm like, didn't you just take like a month off like three months ago? 
And they're like, yeah, but you know ministry is just so hard. I'm like, dude, life is hard. Like, buck up a little bit, you know? Like, it's okay. And then you get to it and you go, man, they have no relationship with God. They just serve and they do and they do, but there's no intimacy with Him. They don't know Him. And so no wonder they have no energy to serve Him. Another thing he says, number two, is he says those who know God have great thoughts of God. You know why? Because they're actively pursuing to know God. But man, so many followers of Jesus are so content with just sitting back and never even thinking about Him. They've just convinced themselves, oh, that's a mystery no one will ever know. Oh, that's for someone else to figure out. I'm not saying dive into theological debates. I'm just saying, man, God is real. And he wants a relationship with you. And he wants to be known by you. He ain't playing some great game of cosmic hide and seek with you. He wants to be found and known intimately by you. Uh, Number three, he says, those who know God have a great boldness for God. That you're not having to muster up, oh, but I'm just an introvert. Or, oh, I'm an extrovert. Or, oh, I'm an I'm a INJ. Like, we make all these excuses. I'm a, I'm a seven. I'm a six. You know, like, I'm a six wing two. Like, I'm, we, like, we make all these excuses for ourselves. And the fact is, most of us are not bold with the gospel because we don't know the God of the gospel. We don't know him. And we're making no effort to know him. And then lastly, he says, those who know God have a great contentment in God. Guys, can I just encourage us to stop blaming your discontentment on other things? Stop running to other people to fix problems that your God can fix for you. Stop running to to gossip to make yourself feel better inwardly. Stop running to, to other people for validation. That's, that's a contentment problem. What that tells me is that there's no relationship with God. It's just, I, you're not trying to know. Because to know God, guys, that, that is the sweet spot of life. All right, well, why does Paul pray that? <laughs> Why? Why get into all of that? Why have uh, knowledge and revelation and wisdom to know God more? Let's read verses 18 and 19. He says, Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us. Now, I love this because right here he says, and some versions say this, um, because mine in verse 18, it says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. And, uh, and so every Sunday, uh, Zeke makes me preach the sermon to him. It's good practice for me, and uh, it's uh, good for him at some point, I guess. And so I was preaching to him, and he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, I'm t- talking about how your heart has eyes. And he was like, the heart doesn't have eyes. And I was like, I, I know, so pray for me, because somehow I've got to explain this to everyone, that, that the prayer we should pray is, God, open the eyes of my heart. And, uh, and literally, guys, what Paul is praying is he's like, listen, you are so aware of the physical things happening around you. He says, but what I want you to do is put on your God glasses, all right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Put on, I can't see none of you right now. This is fantastic. He says, I want you to put your God glasses on. Because I want you to see everything that happens in your life through the way God sees them, not the way you see them. 
And so, guys, when we just look at things through our eyes, well, we start to get nervous about things. This is where anxiety comes from a lot. We start to get worried about things. I'm only looking at my bank account through my eyes. And my eyes say, no math, no good. But then I put on my, and I ask God, open the eyes of my heart, and I see, man, I'm, you know, I've, I've got a generosity problem, or I've got to do this, right? We start to look at our future, you know, who we're going to marry, who, who we're going to, um, you know, what we're going to study, what our career is going to be. And we look through it through our eyes and say, well, that's not enough money, or I'm going to need more over here. I don't really want to live in that city. Instead of just putting our God eyes on and going, God, show me where you're at, because that's where I want to be. So if you're over here, then I'm going over here. And we start seeing everything through his eyes. Guys, that's what it means when we pray, God, open the eyes of my heart so that I can see and know who you are. And guys, for so many of us, we're so content with just seeing things through our own eyes. And when we do that, we get our wisdom. We get our knowledge. We get our revelation. And all of that's very limited. But when you see things through God's eyes, and he opens up the eyes of your heart, man, you start to see things the way that he sees them. And so, so what does that mean? He says, I want to open up the eyes of your heart so that you'll know the hope that he's called you to. The hope he's called you to. And guys, this is an identity thing. He says, man, open the eyes of my heart so that I'll know that, man, I've been called to hope. The word hope just means I'm looking forward to something, Right? So, I mean, you guys know the people who are never looking forward to something. Hey, you got a big week planned this week? Oh, gosh. Well, I've got this going on. I'm going to have this project due, and I've got this going, and I've got to do this and do that. And I'm not looking forward to it at all. No hope. No hope. But the Bible says, actually, when we put on our God glasses, we realize that we are a people of hope, that we are a people who have been called to hope. This is our identity. This is who we are. We are carriers of hope. People who are looking forward to the future. And so the way I look at it, the future can either give you anxiety and worry, or the future can give you great hope. And if you're following Jesus, you're following the one who is already in the future. So that's who I want to follow, not myself. Then he also says that you'll know the riches of his glorious inheritance. Isn't that so cool? That when you put your God eyes on and he opens up the eyes of your heart, you start to know the glorious riches of your inheritance. Glorious means beautiful. The spotlight is on it. It's the biggest, most significant thing. Riches means, oh, buddy, like it is wealthy. It is valuable. An inheritance. So God actually says, like, I want you to know as you're in my family, your inheritance is rich and it is glorious. Do you know what our inheritance is? Him. Him. We get God. Like, you're a follower of Jesus? You get God. For a a, couple of quadrillion years times quadrillion years, your inheritance is going to be you get the fullness of God. Mystery no more. You will know him. Man, then he says, 
Open the eyes of my heart so I may know the immeasurable greatness of his power. The immeasurable greatness of his power. So look at how the Bible describes God's power. In that passage alone, it says his power is immeasurably great, his power is working, and his power gives us vast strength. Man, the Bible wants everyone to know that your life is not beyond the power of God. I want you to think about the Ephesians for a second, the people who Paul is writing this to. And think about to follow Jesus, what they came out of. Now, you got to understand, when the Bible was written, there were no Christians leaving a church they were mad at to come join the church at Ephesus, all right? Those people didn't exist. There were no other Christians who got it and were going to leave that church to come over to this. There were no Christians who said, I like to worship better at the church in Ephesus. Let's all go over there, y'all. That didn't exist. It didn't exist. So you know what they were coming out of? Cults. They were coming out of cults. Not Methodist churches. Not Baptist churches. Cults. They, they were worshiping emperors and politics. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely doesn't happen today. They were worshiping magic and sorcery. They were worshiping astrology and stars. They were worshiping their sexual perversion. They were worshiping in spiritual darkness. That's that's how Jesus found them. They, They didn't have it all together with a nice Christian mom and dad there to teach them. Jesus found them in utter darkness. And that's what they came out of. So I want you to imagine... Jesus finding you in utter darkness, and now Paul is telling you, man, let me tell you about the power of God. You know about the power of the evil one. You know about the power of astrology. You know about the power of the emperor. Let me tell you about the power of God. It is immeasurably powerful. You can't measure it to the emperor. You can't measure it to your politics. You can't measure it to your sexual perversion. It is immeasurable. So you have nothing to fear, church. Because Jesus is our head, and he is supremely powerful over all things. Listen, you may not feel or look like a superhero, but church, if you know Jesus, you have the power of God in you that is enough to help you battle against your worry, help you battle against anxiety, help you be victorious over sinful temptations, help you overcome doubts, help you uh, see and, and fight against demonic warfare, because the power is God's, not yours. When you're a follower of Jesus, you have that power of God inside of you. So think about how much power is in this room right now. See, so many times as churches, we try to measure things success by how much money is in the budget or how many people are in the building. But what if we measured it by how much of God's power is present in his people? Man, that starts to turn things around real quick. And we start to see the power of God in a new way. And this is why we go on mission. This is why we go to Hungary. This is why we go to Greece. This is why we go to places who have not heard the gospel. Why we go across the street to our neighbors. Why we go to downtown Fredericksburg. Like This is why we are a church on mission. Because we got the power of God inside of us. We're not mustering up our own strength to do it. It's the power of God. All right, let's finish up. 
finish up. Verse 20. It says this. <laughs> Ephesians 1.20, it says that he worked in Christ. Talking about the power of God. That God worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Isn't that awesome? It's just, Paul just keeps talking about God's power. And he says the resurrection of Jesus shows us the ultimate example of God's power. This is why I love in Romans, it says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. There is no greater power in the universe. Not, the power that raised Jesus from the dead is greater than the power that keeps the earth rotating. That keeps the sun shining. And that power lives inside of you as a follower of Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus shows us that the ultimate power of God defeats death. And death is your ultimate enemy. It comes for everyone. And no one, not even science, has been able to defeat it. But Jesus did. This changes everything for us. It gives our life meaning. It is worth losing all things for. It gives us hope. It gives us power. It gives us energy to serve God with because Jesus is alive. He's risen from the dead. And if he's not, then this whole thing is stupid. Like you're wasting your time here today. But because Jesus has risen from the dead, it changes everything. This is no longer just a nice, cute little church service. This is the power of God on display. This is no longer I showed up and put some banners up and maybe I'll leave here feeling good. This is the victory of Jesus over sin and death for all of time running through your veins. This is the power of God. This is the resurrection of Jesus. This is good news. But listen, Jesus didn't just rise from the dead. Jesus is now actively reigning. It says in verse 20 that Jesus has been placed at the right hand of God. And the right hand in Scripture is a symbol of honor, a symbol of authority. Sorry for all the left-handers out there. Man, this is it. So Jesus is not just in heaven receiving our praises like an egomaniac. Yes, yes, tell me how great I am. Jesus is still working. Jesus is alive and he is reigning over every single thing that happens on in the whole universe. Jesus is alive. And he goes on and says um, in verse 21 that Jesus is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. He is above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. And, and he, God, has put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him as the head over all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. Guys, this is the gift of Jesus. And I know sometimes we don't like it when Jesus, we hear that Jesus is the head of the church because we don't want nobody to be the head of us. Man, we are it. We are the champion. We are the hero. We don't need a head. But the truth is, man, the head that we're talking about in Jesus, man, I want that. I need him to be the head of me. And so I want you to know, man, everything is under Jesus. He is in charge in his church he is i don't know why i guess we just needed to sing some more songs man jesus is the gift that was given to us as the church and we get to submit to jesus 
This isn't a we have to. We get to submit to the one who has all power and all authority and all reign over all the universe. That's who God said he's in charge of the church. Man, aren't you glad? I love the fact that, man, the church is so important to God. Not religion, not a church service, but you, the church, is so important to God that he put Jesus as the head of it. So it should be important to us too. If the church was so important and so valuable to God and to Jesus, then guys, it should be important to us too. And I love that he says the fullness of him fills all in all of the church. So guys, listen, I am not the head of this church. The elders are not the head of this church. People who give financially are not the head of this church. Jesus Christ, alive and reigning, is the head of Impact Church. He calls the shots. We do what he says. We follow his commands. He is in control because we know that I'm going to mess it up. But Jesus is perfect. And when I do mess it up, we can go to Jesus together. And we can receive the fullness of his power together. Um, worship team, you guys can go ahead and come up. And I, I just want to, I want you to think about this for a second with me. Don't put your stuff away. I just want you to think for a second with me. You're a small house church in the Roman Empire. Not a single person in there knows what they're doing. They're all making it up as they go. That's kind of like being here. It's all figuring it out. And, uh, and man, you got people who are coming out and they're trying to bring in some of their cult practices. And you got people trying to bring in, you know, yes, Jesus, but let's also worship the emperor. And, and you got people getting in political conversations out by the coffee table. And you got people over here, like, getting all upset about it. And, and people over here doing tarot cards. And, and, and you got this whole thing. And then, and then somebody walks in and says, man, let's read together this passage. And I want you to, to hear, if you're here today and you're like, man, I feel like I'm in darkness. I feel like I'm in spiritual darkness. Or, man, I, I feel like this city is in spiritual darkness. I want you to just listen to the word of God today. And I want you to just listen to what we've just talked about. And I want you to tell me, would that be encouraging to you to hear? Listen. For this reason... Because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I don't cease to give thanks for you. I remember you in all my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. That you would have the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, Jesus is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. He is above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he has put all things under his feet. And he gave them his head 
over all things to the church. We are his body. We are the fullness of him who has filled us all in all. Would you guys bow and pray with me? Hi, Pastor Brandon here. Thanks again for listening to our Impact Church Sermon Podcast. If God has spoken to you today or you have a prayer request you'd like to share, please email us at hello at impactfxbg.church. If you're local to the Fredericksburg area, we would love to see you for worship in person. But if not, please let us know if we can help you find a gospel-centered church right where you're at. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram and on our website, www.impactfxbg.church. Until next time, keep living the dream.